welcome to another episode of Magic with Zuby. My name is Zuby, and if you are brand new to this show, this show is all about Magic the Gathering, where I like to bring on content creators to pro players and many more to just, you know, shoot the breeze and talk about magic. Or there are episodes like this, where it is a solo episode, where I like to rant and rave and talk about Magic the Gathering, and you get to listen to me ramble on, which I'm really good at doing that. By the way, I'm really good at rambling. But um, I like to say I ramble with a purpose, which not really. So um, before we begin, let's get some announcements out of the way. Um, I'm scheduled to be at Grand Prix Orlando from August 10th through the 12th. Uh, Grand Prix Atlanta from November 2nd to the 4th. And yes, I am going to repeat this every week until those events actually happen. Because I need to get it through your brains that I'm going to be there at those two events. And I am so excited because I had such a fun time at Grand Prix Dallas. And I cannot wait to go to Orlando and Atlanta later this year. I just, I, I wish, I wish I could go to more GPs a year besides the three that I'm going to because I, I'd love to do it again. I'd love to do it even more. Um, Channel Fireball, if you're listening. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. Yeah, you know what I mean? Um, Magic with Zuby can be found on Facebook at facebook.com slash Magic with Zuby, on Twitter at Magic with Zuby, on Gmail, and you or you can email me at Gmail um, if you have any questions about the show or anything like that at mtgzuby at gmail.com. Uh, we are found on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and TuneIn Radio, and probably your favorite podcast app out there. Um... And if you want to support the show in any way, uh, you can support Magic Wazubi on Patreon at patreon.com slash Um It is not necessary, but it is helpful and much, much appreciated if you decide to do so. Um, I think that about covers it, so let's get some ads out of the way and let's get right on with the show. Well, hey there, Zoe. Why the long face there, chum? I just want to order some magic cards, but the shipping was too expensive. Too expensive? Well, did you know if you go to LegitMTG.com, you can order any magic cards, and anything over $2 or more has free shipping. Wow, free shipping's at LegitMTG.com. That's amazing. You heard that right, Zoe. Free shipping at LegitMTG.com with any order over $2 or more. Be sure to visit today and get the best deal on Magic Singles and Magic Sealed product available. Wow, that's amazing! Man, I wish there were others who liked retro video games like me. Did I hear someone say retro video games? I heard it too, Matt! Well, if you're a fan of retro video games as well as gaming in general, you need to listen to the VCR Gaming Podcast. It's available on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and TuneIn Radio. Oh god, my house! So before we get into the meat of this week's episode, I had a listener who wanted me to try to start doing this. Um, At least I know I've done it before in the past and I've also done, you know, build a booster deck or build a booster pack deck series, which 
Those just got so tiring to do. But um, he wanted me to do a pack one, pick one. And I figured, uh, let me try to incorporate that a little bit more. I wanted to have an actual physical booster pack for this, but for this week I don't. And I will try to for the next time I do this. So obviously Dominaria is out. So Dominaria is going to be the set I am going to do. And when I opened up my virtual booster pack, uh, these were the cards that I got. I got Corrosive Ooze, which is one in a green creature ooze. Whenever Corrosive Ooze blocks or becomes blocked by an equipped creature, destroy all equipment attached to that creature at the end of combat. Seismic Shit, which is th Seismic Shift, I should say, not Seismic Shit. Um, three in a red sorcery, destroy target land. Up to two target creatures can't block this turn. Uh, short Sword, uh, one colorless artifact equipment. Equipped creature gets plus one, plus one. Equip one. Uh, I'm going to pronounce this card wrong. Devinet Trapper or Diavinet Trapper. Diavinet or D Davinet Trapper. Uh, two and a white creature, human archer. Whenever you cast a historic spell, tap target creature and opponent controls. Broken Bond, one and a green sorcery. Destroy target artifact or enchantment. You may put a land from your hand onto the battlefield. Shivan Fire, a uh, red instant with kicker four. Shivan Fire deals 2 damage to target creature. If the spell was kicked, it deals 4 damage to that creature instead. Artificer's Assistant, assistant Blue, 1 Blue. Uh, bird Creature, Flying, whenever you cast a Historic Spell, Scry 1. Uh, Lanawar Envoy, 2 and a green uh, creature. It's a 3-2. Uh, you can pay 1 and a green to add 1 mana of any color. Uh, frenzied Rage, one in a red enchantment aura. Enchant creature, enchant creature gets plus two, plus one, and has menace. Fungal Infection, one black instant target creature gets neg one, neg one until end of turn. Create a one, one green sapperling creature token. And now we are going to start hitting the uncommons. Uh, those were all the commons, just FYI. And so now the uncommons, Sanctum Spirit, three in a white creature spirit, lifelink, discard a historic card. Sanctum Spirit gains indestructible until end of turn. Uh, nature's Spiral, one in a green sorcery, return target permanent card from your graveyard to your hand. Um, this next uncommon, yeah, uh, <laughs> Tatyova Benthic Druid, three green and blue, legendary creature Merfolk Druid. Whenever land enters the battlefield under your control, you gain one life and draw a card. And then our rare of the pack, which is a territorial Allosaurus. 2 and 2 green, kicker 2 and a green. When Territoria Allosaurus enters the battlefield, if it was kicked, it fights another target creature. So for our pack 1 pick 1, this really comes down to Tatyova, Benthic Druid, and Territoria Allosaurus. So the reasoning for this, for my sake here, for my opinion, is Tatyova, Benthic Druid is insanely good. Even if you're just really playing in one of the colors, green or blue, which most likely green is the better color and limited in here, um, this card, even if you're just splashing blue, can steal games for you and just keep gaining you life. And the card draw is so important in this in this um, limited format. I mean, card draw altogether is so important. Um, and like I said, I have seen games where the person is down to like two life, plays a Tatyova, plays... Um, a land, gain a life, draw a card, and then plays that one, um, plays that one card, uh, what is it, kick the ash, or, or no, no, ash, it's something, um, you know, where you can kick it and get two lands out and just basically gain two more life and draw two more cards, um, it's that instant, 
Oh, I don't remember. I don't remember what it was called. Was it Drowned Ash? Ugh. I'd have to look it up, but you probably know what I'm talking about. It's that tuna green ramp card that's in Dominaria right now. And, um, ladies and Tatyova, hands down, is so good. Territoria Allosaurus is a really good four drop bomb for, do you, for you to have unlimited. Um, but I don't think it's going to help you win games, though. When looking at this pack, I would really have to suggest taking Tatyova Benthic Druid over Territorial Allosaurus because if you don't, someone else is going to get it. And if you happen to be paired up against them in draft, you're going to have a bad time. Territorial Allosaurus is really good, but Tatyova, for me, just makes it hands down way better. Now, like I said, it really depends on what you get past. And if hopefully one of the colors is open, because I say even if, like, say you're going all blue, which hopefully you don't have to. I, I, I've i had to do that. I've had to go blue red before because it was wide open. But let's say if you do happen to, say, draft all blue and another color, but no green splash green for this, because you will not be sorry. This card wins you games hands down. Um, also a really sick commander, by the way, too. So, yeah, that is my Dominaria pack one, pick one. And I would definitely choose Tatyova Benthic Druid. All right, so it has been a while since I've done a solo episode where, yeah, even though last week was a solo episode with Grand Prix Dallas, that was more of talking about a story. But it's been really, it, it feels like forever since I've done an actual good old solo episode to where I've just talked about magic, right? Um, we just ha did our, you know, pack one, pick one of Dominaria, and I want to try to do that more. Um, I do have some guests that are going to be coming up, you know, in the coming weeks and all that, but let's not have that deter of some magic that I want to talk about. So I recently have just done a huge cube update to my, uh, cube here. And, um, it worked. It consisted of me taking out seven, 14, 21, 28, 29, 30, 31, 31 cards and replacing them with a bunch of cards here. So I'm just going to, the cards that I took out, I'm just going to give them names. I am going to put a, a link to my cube list in the show notes so be sure to look for that because i am planning uh, as one of these days eventually um i am planning on making a i don't know i guess it'd be almost like a five or six part i guess it would be like a six to seven part series of talking about all the colors of my cube you know do the five mono colors and then maybe one or two episodes of the multicolors and artifacts that might be two episodes in there because there's not too many multicolors and not too many artifacts compared to the mono colors at that point i i do want to talk about it because i love my cube i love working on it it's just you know i don't always get to play it or work on it all the time and um yeah and i did promise that a long time ago that i would do a specific cube series talking about each color of my cube here but um so before I get into this, I'm just going to name all the cards I took out and then talk about all the cards I put in. So this may take a while here. Um, for the cards I took out, I'm just going to give the names, but for the cards I put in, I will talk about what they do. Um, if you do follow a lot of magic, you should be familiar with most of these. And like I said, I will have a list of my cube list in the show notes and you can see what cards I took out as well 
and you know add it in so in case you're not familiar with some of the names as i go along here you can at least look at that list as we go along here um so what i took out this is going to be an abc order i took out angelic overseer angelic purge archangel azorius first wing baneslayer angel black cat boros battle shaper brush strider cathedral sanctifier chaplain's blessing drew to the cow elvish warrior execute garrick's companion gideon's phalanx phalanx i don't know if i'm saying that right um hollow henge beast hunted wumpus Jawar Isle Avenger, Latch Seeker, Mahat, Ma, I'm gonna mess this up here. Mahamodi, Mahatmadi, Dijin, Murderer's Axe, Night Guard Patrol, Prime Speaker, Zagana, Scrape, Scrape Skin Drake. There you go, because I know how to talk. Selesnia Sagittars, Severed Legion, Sublime Archangel, Trusty Machete, Wisp Weaver Angel, Youthful Knight, and Youthful Scholar. So, the reason behind this, um, this big change up here was because one white was way too strong in my cube really strong if you look at some of the the white creatures i listed here angelic overseer bane slayer angel um hell even archangel is really strong um sublime angel is really strong wisp weaver angel is pretty good not as strong as the others but what i was noticing when even just playing or even just test drafting was i was always going towards white because white was just so good and what i did for a while before i made this change was i was trying to up the answers to for the other colors but i just found that probably wasn't the best thing to do so i really needed to nerf white but not nerf it to the point to where it was unusable so i did put in some interesting creatures in white which i will explain here in a second and um some of the other colors that got hit pretty decently were green um more so because some of the creatures i took out were kind of boring or bored me um black got hit a little bit red didn't get touched at all because i felt red is in a good place right now blue got some creatures taken out of it and some spells because they're just to try to shake things up a little bit and some of the multicolored cards got changed out like prime speaker and selesnia sagittars and boros battle shaper and azoria's first wing just to um you know try to shake things up a little bit too i felt like i replaced them with much better cards some more interesting cards that you'd want to draft i my, my goal for this cube is even though when you are going to draft it there's going to be obvious obvious cards that are going to be better than others but i almost want to make it to the point to where it's really hard to choose your like pack one pick one sometimes you know where you're just like huh what do i really want to choose out of this you know i want to make every card interesting and a really fun choice to make obviously you know that just takes time and it's gonna take more play testing with it and so yeah so th that those are some of my reasonings behind the cards I took out. So the cards I put in here. All right. So I felt so like I said, I nerfed white a lot, but I did put in some interesting cards for white. Um, the first card and we're going to go in ABC order here again. Uh, first card I put in was a quarter paladin, which is one in a white and has battle cry. It's a three one uh, pretty interesting, cheap costing creature. Uh and very strong because by turn three you're going to swing in for four you know a four one and that is pretty strong so you definitely want to take care of that asap um you know and plus it's very cheap and it does some major work if you're going wide this card replaced night guard patrol um adorned pouncer which is one in a white double strike one one cat 
it does have eternalize for three and two white so if it dies you can bring it back from the dead essentially and make it a four four black zombie that still has double strike um it may not look too menacing as a one one but when it comes back eternalize it can be a beast to deal with this replace archangel it, it does have um you know, it is cheaper than Archangel, but as said, a 1-1 one, one double strike is not too much. You know, you're kind of like, eh, whatever. It does two damage to me. It doesn't do too much, but if you kill it and let your opponent eternalize it, then you're going to have some trouble to deal with at that point. So it really makes for interesting games to where you're like, do I want to kill the kitty? Do I have a way to stop the kitty again if it comes back eternalized? Um so yeah, that was some of the choices I had with, or some of the thought process behind that. Uh, next is Aetherling. Uh, this is one of my favorite cards, and I I completely forgot about it while I was creating the queue. But this is one of my favorite cards, especially in limited. It is so much fun in limited. Um, it, it can be a powerhouse in limited. That's Aetherling. Uh, four colorless, two blue. Uh, creature shapeshifter it's a four five you can pay one blue to exile aetherling and return it to the battlefield under its control owner's control at the beginning of the next end step so you can you can make it dodge removal if needed to uh, you can pay another blue to make it unblockable which is really good you can pay one colorless to give aetherling plus one minus one until end of turn so you can essentially pump that up four times or you can pay another one colorless and give it negative one plus one until end of turn in case you, you know, have to dodge, you know, double lightning bolt or, or some high costing removal at that point. Or you just want it to survive if it gets blocked by a really big creature. Um, you can do that up to actually you can do it as many times you want with the negative one plus one because at that point it doesn't really matter. Um, so I feel like it's a very fun, versatile and powerful card in limited and you know, I, I like fun cards like that, and this replaced Latch, Se Latch Seeker. Um, so another white card that I put in was actually one of my favorite cards in Hour of Devastation. At first glance, it doesn't seem to be that good of a card, but surprisingly in Limited, it can be a powerhouse, um, and that's uh, Angel of Condemnation. Two and two white uh, creature angel. I know I've talked about this card before on the podcast. Um, has flying vigilance three three. So you're like, oh, okay, uh, for a four costing three three fl flying vigilance, not too bad, you know. But it has two awesome abilities. You can you can pay two and a white and tap it. Exile another target creature. Return that card to the battlefield under its owner's control at the beginning of the next end step. So really good way to blink a creature uh, for from your opponent that may be really strong. Or you can pay two and a white and tap. Exert Angel of Condemnation. Exile another target creature until Angel of Condemnation leaves the battlefield. So maybe you need to get rid of a really big creature that is going to destroy your day if you don't get rid of it right away and you may not have enough removal in your hand at the time so it's a really good utility card um not the strongest creature not the most overpowered creature but a really good card to help you out with clearing your opponent's board there so and this one replaced angelic overseer uh next card on the list is angel of invention uh flying vigilance lifelink three and two white 2-1. It does have Fabricate 2 where you can decide to put two 1-1 counters on it or create two 1-1 servo artifact tokens. And other creatures you control get plus 1, plus 1. So what I've sort of been shaping white to be is a more of a go-wide type color where it can create tokens 
and um, green also. And so this is just a really good Lord creature to pump up your team if you're planning on going wide and pump up your tokens as well. Or you can decide to put 1-1 counters on it, you know, either way you want to go. So it's a strong card, but not too strong, and it can be dealt with easily um, with some really good removal at that point. And if you decide to not put the 1-1 counters on it, you know, a 2-1, you could shock it very easily or deal 1 damage to it very easily as well. Um Next card is Baral's Expertise, 3 and 2 blue. Uh, sorcery, return up to 3 target artifacts and or creatures through their owner's hands. You may cast a card or convert a mana cost 4 or less from your hand without paying its mana cost. So, this did replace a creature, and I wanted blue to have some more board control capabilities. So, this does have the ability to sort of help you out and maybe thin up your opponent's board a little bit. Maybe if they're playing a lot of tokens, okay, you can make those tokens disappear completely. And this did replace Scrape Skin Drake. Um, I, I know I'm saying that slow, it's just I know I'm gonna mess it up. Scrape Skin, Scrape Skin Drake. There you go. Um, next card on our list is a black card, Cast Down. Um, one in a black from Dominaria instant destroy target non-legendary creature. This replaced Execute. Execute was more geared towards white. It was a it was a card that I was trying to, you know, pump up black for its removal since black is known for good removal. And um, I figured this would be a better way to just have better removal overall in case your opponent's not playing white because that execute card is kind of a dead card if you happen to draft it or have it in your sealed pool if you're not playing against white so this is a broader way of taking care of creatures now there are legendary creatures in there that you can draft so this will help out with those common creatures like hey maybe an angel of invention and plus it's a really good new card in dominaria uh, next one is Dusk Legion Zealot, which is one in a black. When when it enters the battlefield, you draw a card and you lose one life. Um, extra card draw and potentially turn one, or I mean on turn two. Uh, not bad at all. And plus it fits with the other vampires that are in the cube, and this replaced Black Cat. Felt like it fits over more, or it fits better overall with the theme of the cube. Uh, next is Glorybound Initiate, which is one in a white human warrior. You may exert Glorybound Initiate as it attacks. When you do, it gets plus one, plus three, and gains a lifelink until end of turn. It's naturally a three-one. So once again, another good creature for going under and going getting with aggro and potentially helping you going wide. This replaced Wisp Weaver Angel. So, what replaced Garrick's Companion? Uh, a card that is infinitely more interesting, I should say, and that's Grun the Lonely King. If you have not played much Dominaria Draft or Sealed, um, you will, or if you have, you know, you will notice that Grun the Lonely King is a powerhouse in Limited. Uh, it is a four, four and two green legendary creature, Ape Warrior, has Kicker three. If Grun the Lonely King was kicked, it enters the battlefield with 5-1-1 counters on it. When Grun attacks alone, double its power and toughness until end of turn. So it's naturally a 5-5, so if you don't kick it, it'll become a 10-10 when it attacks alone. And plus, there are plenty of pump spells in this cube as well, too. So it can potentially attack for 12 to 15, you know, when it, when it swings. And um, if you happen to kick it, and you, when you swing it alone with it, it's going to be a 20-20. Heck yeah, sign me up all day, all, all day or day for that. Um, so what replaced the Murderer's Axe equipment? It's 
probably one of the more interesting artifacts that I found in Dominaria, and that's Helm of the Host, which is a four-costing artifact equipment. At the beginning of combat on your turn, create a token that's a copy of equipped creature, except that token is, isn't legendary. If equipped creature is legendary, that token gains haste, and it costs five to equip. Like I said, if you have not played much sealed or draft in Dominaria, this card is ridiculous if you can't take care of it. Even if they put it on a simple 1-1 one, one on their side, it's you're, and they're still getting more creatures. And the good thing about it is the token doesn't go away. So that makes it a thousand times better. It's not one of those, hey, it creates a temporary token, it goes away at the end of your turn. No, no, no. This stays. And if you have a really powerful creature like one of the Gear Hulks, or if you have Metalworks Colossus and you equip it to that, uh, you're just going to keep creating, you know, 10-10s and 11-11s every turn. So, all I have to say is ridiculous, and it's very fun and exciting. Um, another card, th this card, this next card replaced another equipment, and that is Icy Manipulator. It replaced Trusty Machete. I figured Icy Manipulator, after playing it, playing with it in Dominary Limited, it is a very good card because it helps you control the board and helps you, especially against your opponent. Icy Manipulator is a four-costing artifact. You pay one to tap, target artifact, creature, or land. I mean, what more can be said about this? It's just ridiculously good. Um, So... It turns out when I was making my cube, I didn't realize I had this, but I had two Angelic Purges in my cube, and I didn't realize it. So this card replaced the extra Angelic Purge, and that's Journey to Nowhere, which is a one-in-a-white enchantment. When it enters the battlefield, exile target creature. When Journey to Nowhere leaves the battlefield, return the exile card to the battlefield under its control. Under its owner's control, I should say. So, like I said, really good some really good removal for creatures and um i just put it in because i had two angelic purges um another black card that i put in uh this one replaced baron sanger and baron sanger is a very high costing card and really i mean there's better bombs in the cube than baron sanger um so that is kite sail freebooter, booter free booter not free free booter uh, one in a black human pirate. When it enters the battlefield, target opponent reveals his or her hand. You choose a non-creature, non-land card from it. Exile that card until kite sail leaves the battlefield. It's a one-two with flying. So yeah, it is easy to get rid of and kill, but you know it can slow your opponent down should you choose to get rid of a very important card from their hand. Maybe you got rid of that one piece of removal they had, and kite sail is just going to be like, ha, you can't do it now. Um, so this card replaced Boros Battleshaper, and that's Lightning Helix, which is a, um, red and a white instant. Lightning Helix deals three damage to target creature or player, and you gain three life. So, very good removal and a good way to gain some life if you need it. Um, so this next card replaced Jawar Isle Avenger, and that's Luzun Scholar General. Uh, it's not the best card, but I wanted to you know, a fun card that, you know, you could possibly pump up and there's no other cards with horsemanship in the cube. So I figure, uh, you know, this will be pretty fun at least. Um, whenever Luzun Scholar General deals damage to opponent, you may draw a card. It's a one, three naturally. And so like it has the potential ability to get pumped up with other cards in the cube. And, um, there is no horsemanship, elsewhere besides Luzon, so you're essentially going to be able to attack your opponent for free until they get some removal or a way to deal with it. Um, 
So if you're a nice little interesting card, it's not too strong, but it can be an annoyance if you can't figure out a way to deal with it. So the next card, this is one of my favorite Fate Reforge cards in Limited, and it was such a ridiculously good card there if you happen to draft it and that's mardu strike leader which is two in a black and whenever mardu strike leader attacks you put a two one black warrior creature token onto the battlefield it's a three two naturally but it has the awesome ability of dash for three in a black where you where you play the card it gains haste and you attack with it and then you return the card to your hand at the beginning of your next end step so that way you can just keep creating tokens over and over again uh, this replaced severed legion and plus mardu strike leader is a more interesting card in my opinion um this next card replaced youthful scholar and that's naru miha master wizard a wizard lord and being able to copy spells what's not to love it's a 3-3 naturally and can copy target instant or sorcery spells you control and you may choose new targets for the copy this only happens when it enters the battlefield uh so white got some better spot removal as well it replacing gideon's phalanx and that's path to exile uh, one white instant basically exile target controller its controller may search their library for a basic land card and put on the battlefield tapped and then shuffle the library really good removal um you know what what's not to love about path to exile uh this next card replaced azoria's first wing and that's raf capuchin ship's mage two two and a white and blue a uh, human wizard of flash and flying and you may cast historic spells as though they had flash and in case you forgot what historic spells are those are artifacts legendaries and sagas and i do have one saga in the cube there may be more coming in the future should i you know look over the list again and figure out hmm maybe some of these other cards would be a little bit more interesting as well um so this next card replaces Druid of the Cal, and this is um, on the surface the card doesn't seem that great, but it is good for that kind of mono green stompy type feeling. And that's a resilient Kenra for one and a green. When it enters the battlefield, you may have target creature get plus X plus X until end of turn, where X is resilient Kenra's power. And it it's naturally a two two, but it does have eternalize for four and two green, where it comes back as a four four zombie. And um, so then you can pump up a creature for plus four, plus four. Like I said, really good for that stompy, go wide style and aggro style. Um, our next card replaced Sublime Angel and it's Restoration Angel for three and a white. Uh, it's a three, four flash flying. Uh, when it enters the battlefield, you may exile target non-angel creature you control, then return that card to the battlefield under your control. Um, there's a reason why I put this in, and you're going to find out in a couple cards down here um, as I get a little bit further. Don't worry, we're in the S's right now, so we're almost done here. All right, I'm sorry if this is boring you, but I, I just love talking about my cube, okay? Um, next card is Scavenging Ooze, which replaced Brush Strider. Uh, reanimator is a thing in my cube and this is a way to help stop the reanimator reanimation because I do have a bunch of cards in in a in black that can reanimate creatures or steal all the creatures you know whichever whichever you want to do um, scavenging ooze is one in a green two two ooze you can pay a green and exile target card from a graveyard if it was a creature card put a one one counter on scavenging ooze and you gain one life so like I said this is to help stop those reanimating um, decks that get built in my cube. Uh, the next one replaced Selesnia Sagittarius. That was always a, a, um, 
sort of like placeholder card because I couldn't think of one at the time to put it in with. So I figured, you know, why not put in Shauna Sisei's Legacy, which is a green and a white zero zero human warrior. Uh, Shauna Sisei's Legacy can't be the target of abilities your opponents control, which is some good, um, you know, ev evasion right there. And Shauna gets plus one plus one for each creature you control. So. If there's no other creatures, this is naturally going to be a 1-1, but if you do those go-wide token strategies, this card can get very powerful very quickly. Um, this next card, Replace Hunted Wumpus, and it's an enchantment card, and it's actually a saga, the only saga in the cube right now. There may be more coming in the future, but we'll just have to wait and see. And that enchantment saga is probably what I consider to be the best saga in limited Dominaria right now, and that's Song of Freylise. Um, if you have not played this card or played against this card in limited Dominaria, you'll realize how broken this card can be. Um, so Song of Freylise is a saga, and its first two chapters are until your next turn, creatures you control gain you know, tap, add one mana of any color to your mana pool. Um, so not too bad. The first two chapters aren't too bad. They help you, you know, if you're playing a lot of tokens or creatures, it helps you cast more creatures or spells or what have you. It's third chapter, third and final chapter is put a 1-1 counter on each creature you control. Those creatures gain vigilance, trample, and indestructible until end of turn. By that time, if you're not winning the game with this card, you're doing something wrong because that that third chapter ability is ridiculous and so strong and so good that I had to put it in this cube. And it's almost like a snap pick because it's such a good card. Um, replaced hump hunted Wumpus, which compared to song of Freylis is kind of boring. Um, so this next card replaced youthful Knight. This is another white card. It's step links for one white. It's a cat creature. It's a zero one, but it has the landfall ability. Whenever a land enters the battlefield under your control, step links gets plus two plus two until end of turn, which on the surface is not bad. And there is some ramp in green that can help you get multiple lands in one turn. And, you know, this will just make this card that much better. Um, this next card replaced Prime Speaker Zagana, so you may be wondering why, because Prime Speaker is a really good card, really good Simic card. Um, once again, have you played Dominaria Limited? Uh, this card that I'm about to name is broken and bonkers. Um, it's not really broken, I mean, because it can be easily dealt with, but it's an insane card if you don't deal with it, and it's Tatyova Benthic Druid, which I just picked in my pack one pick one in Dominaria that you heard earlier. Um, Tatyova, Benthic Druid, three green and a blue. Whenever land enters the battlefield under your control, you gain one life and draw a card. It's a 3-3. Three, three. So it's not impossible to kill. It's a pain in the butt if you don't deal with it. And the drawing engine on it is just insanity. Um, this next card replaced Cathedral Sanctifier. That's Thraben Inspector. It's one white human soldier. It's a 1-2. When it enters the battlefield, you investigate. You put a clue artifact out. And it, you can pay two colorless, sack this artifact, and draw a card. Um, this next card is the reason why I put Resto Angel in. Resto Angel in. And that's Thragtus. And if you ever played... You know, with Resto Angel and Thragtus in standard, you'll understand why I put this in. So Thragtus is a four and a green beast creature. It's a five three. Uh, when it enters the battlefield, you gain five life. When it leaves the battlefield, you create a three three green beast creature token. So Resto Angel allows you to flicker this um, Thragtus here 
and to let you gain more life and create a token, essentially. Um, this next card is another board wipe that replaced Chaplain's Blessing, which Chaplain's Blessing is pretty boring on its surface. Uh, this card is Tragic Arrogance, which is three and two white. Uh, for each player, you choose from among the permanents that player controls an artifact, a creature enchantment, and a planeswalker. Then each player sacrifices all other non-land permanents he or she controls. So it's a pretty good board wipe. You know, it does affect you, but it also will affect your opponent. Uh, most likely they're going to choose the best creature to stay on the field, but, you know, that's not too bad. Uh, next card, replace Mahatmati Dijin, and that's Vizier of Many Faces, which is 2-2 two and two blue. You may have Vizier enter the battlefield as a copy of any creature on the battlefield, except if Vizier of Many Faces was embalmed, that token has no mana cost. It's white and is a zombie in addition to its other types. So, embalm is different from Eternalize, where Embalm, it just comes back onto the battlefield as the same stats and everything. It doesn't get a boost. Um, so if you need to copy a really powerful creature your opponent owns, or you need to create a copy of another creature you have, boom, there you go with Vizier. Uh, next card um, is Warkite Marauder, replaced as foretold. Um, it's one in a blue human pirate. And it's a flying 2-1. Whenever it attacks, target creature defending player controls loses all abilities and has base power and toughness of 0-1 until end of turn. So it doesn't seem that great on the surface, but it can, you know, help you stop that really big creature that, you know, you just need to get in that 2 extra damage somewhere and just make it a 0-1 until end of turn. Um, and the last but certainly not least card is Wayward Swordtooth, Tuna Green. This replaced Elvish Warrior. Um, it is a higher costing card than Elvish Warrior, but it's more interesting card. Because Wayward Swordtooth is a dinosaur, and it's a 5-5 for 3. But you And you can play an additional land on each of your turns. But Wayward Swordtooth can't attack or block unless you have the City's Blessing. And so it has Ascend, which allows you to get the City's Blessing if you control 10 or more permanents. And you keep that for the rest of the game, even if you lose, if you go back down to 9 permanents. Once you have 10 permanents on your field, you get that City's Blessing. So there you have it with the cube update. I know not very exciting me just listing all those cards. But as I said, I do want to do a cube series like a five to six episode series where I talk about each of the colors of my cube. And like I said, I will have a list of my cube in the show notes. So be sure to check that out as well. So we just had GP Birmingham here, which was a legacy slash standard GP main event. And I first want to go over legacy here and talk about the winning deck, which was Gary Campbell's mono red prison, which is my God, that that deck was very, very fun to watch. It was like almost like watching a standard deck in a sense, but in legacy and it was doing really well. And I really, really thought that Grix's Delver was going to take it as it usually does in legacy. But seeing this uh, mono red deck just got me super excited, it almost made me want to build the deck. I almost have almost all the pieces except for, you know, the ensnaring bridges and the city of traitors and ancient tombs. Um, other than that, I have everything else in the, for the deck, which, you know, of course I don't have the expensive pieces and I'm probably not going to build it anyway. Cause you know, I've got legacy elves and I don't really get to play much legacy at all anymore, which sucks. Cause there's no legacy scene locally for me anymore. I mean, I do have friends that have legacy decks, but we don't have anywhere to play really. Um, but anyways, so I am also going to be talking about the standard deck, but I want to first talk about legacy deck here. So Gary Campbell's mono red prison won the entire GP. And that was quite a game of finals 
uh, finals games that I saw. The first game of the finals, I saw him being able to cast a turn one Hazard the Fervent. Um, so let's just go over what his deck has first and the ways it wins next. So his main board, he's got two Chandra Torch of Defiance. He's got four Goblin Rabble Master, which I love. That's probably my favorite Goblin out, out of all the Goblins that have been made. Goblin Rabble Master. Uh, four Magus of the Moon, which is basically Blood Moon on a stick. Um, four Simeon Spirit Guides, one Hazard the Fervent, two Pia and Kirin Nalar. Oh, I will be putting uh, links to where you can find these lists in the show notes if you're wondering. Uh, four Fiery Confluence, which is very, very interesting. I haven't realized that that, de- that card has been making its way into Legacy, finally. Um, which probably would explain the high price tag of Fiery Confluence lately. So how much has it gone up to? Come on. Come on, TCG player. There you go. Okay, come on. It's gone up to $30 someone is selling it for. It's, it looks like it's averaging about $20 to $23, but Jesus, I can't believe it's gone up that much. Be- before it was like a couple dollar card or like maybe $5 card. It wasn't even, no one used it. Um, so if you forget what Fiery Confluence does, it's two and two red. Uh, choose three. It's a sorcery. Choose three. You may choose the same mode more than once. Uh, Fiery Confluence deals one damage to each creature, deals two damage to each opponent, and destroy target artifacts. So you can essentially have it deal six damage to your opponent's face for four mana, or if you just need to help wipe out their board, which, you know, it's still pretty damn good, Um, or destroy some target artifacts as well. Uh, For uh, So going on with the decklist it's got four chalice of the voids oh i don't have those either because you know those are expensive uh four chrome mocks four ensnaring bridge which was a very interesting choice um two trinisphere a four blood moon uh, for the lands that has 19 lands four ancient tombs four city of traders and 11 mountain and then finally uh, the other oh Oh, because they changed how they do Planeswalkers now. It also has two Karn Scion of Urzas, um, which is the new Karn from Dominaria, which is insanely good. Uh, the sideboard contains four Fairy Macabre, or Macabre, I'm probably saying that wrong, two Abraid, <laughs> two Sorceress Spyglass, three Kozilek Returns, three Scab Clam Berserkers. What? Jesus. <laughs> um... Oh, Jesus. Uh, One Surgical Extraction? I would never have thought in a winning Grand Prix deck I'd see three Scab Clan Berserker. And if you get what Scab Clan Berserker does, you're not alone. Because I'm having to read the card right now. I just remember it's from Magic Origins. It's one in double red Human Berserker with haste. It's a 2-2. Has Renown 1 where if it deals damage to the player, it gets a 1-1 counter. Um, whenever an opponent casts a non-creature spell of Scab Clan Berserker's Renowned, Scab Clan Berserker deals two damage to that player. So it's like an Edelon of the Great Revel, but you know it's going to always deal two damage to the player. It's not as good as Eidolon, but hey, maybe this was a budget thing for him. I don't know. Or, or he had a reason why to put it in, which I understand why. But it's still such a strange choice because he does have the potential to play Scab Clan on turn one in games two and three uh, with Simeon Spirit Guide and, you know, Mountain or whatever. Um, or even Crow Mox as well. So 
So like I said, in game one of the finals, I saw him cast a turn one Hazard the Fervent. So how did he do that? Um, I don't remember exactly how he did it um, in the in the actual game, but the ways he can do it is he has Chrome Mox, which allows you to, it's a zero costing artifact. Uh, when it enters the battlefield, you may exile a non-target or a non-artifact non-land card from your hand and you add one mana of the exile card's colors to your mana pool. So he could have multiple chrome mocks in hand and um, be able to you know, exile w- at least one red source from his hand, which it should be pretty easy to do to have one red source in your hand and, um, and play it that way. You know, to get the get the red mana there, and he also has four Simeon Spirit Guide, which he can just exile from his hand to add, you know, one red to his mana pool, and also, you know, he's got Ancient Tomb and City of Traitors, which, you know, can allow him to add two mana at once on turn one as well. So he has ways of casting a hazard in turn one. Like I said, when I saw that, I'm just thinking to myself, wow, that's insane. Even though he couldn't attack right away, he had to wait until the next turn to attack but seriously that's just so awesome to see that hazard turn one you're just like what um okay so he also plays an ensnaring bridge with creatures with power greater than the number of cards in your hand can't attack i think that's why he put in goblin rabble master and pia and kieran nalar because they create one one creatures and if he has at least just one card in hand those one one goblin creatures can attack at least and same with those thopter token creatures can attack if he just has one card in hand and um it's he just played amazingly in in that finals match and i was so happy to see that he won and um i really honestly thought he was gonna lose when he was first paired up against grixis delver because let's be honest grixis delver is a super good deck it's there's a reason why it's played everywhere but this is just such an interesting deck to me that i had to talk about it um you know, also having the Chandra Torch of Defiances to be able to help him deal more damage to his opponent, or even maybe adding some more, you know, red mana to his mana pool, or dealing four damage to a creature that he needs, you know? So, um, and then plus seeing a braids in a sideboard and actually seeing him use those, that was also ridiculously awesome as well, too. Like I said, it, this felt more like a standard deck than an actual legacy deck, in a sense, and it was really really fun to watch him play that because with those blood moons and those megas of the moons being able seeing him shut down you know so many decks since dual lands are so you know uh, you know everywhere in legacy you know and making them all turn into mountains just really did more harm than good for his opponents more than anything and um just congrats to gary campbell for that win it was really really awesome to see him win in style like that and and i love the fact that goblin rabble master was in, in legacy so let's move on to standard at grand prix birmingham and i have to say just right off the bat here i am thinking that green black mono green and blue white control were going to be running rampant everywhere or even maybe even sultai um, you know, constrictor. We're going to be running around rampant everywhere. And here comes red black vehicles coming in and completely making me go, huh? I guess I don't know standard as well as I thought I did. Um, and it kind of, I mean, this deck does seem pretty cool. Um, so Simon Nielsen's black red vehicles won uh, the standard GP of Birmingham 
uh, the main event. And I got to say, pretty interesting deck. I like the um, the the coolest addition to me is the Goblin Chain Whirler, which that card is really, really good. Um, especially if you're, you know, your opponent's playing a lot of cheap costing creatures. And also it does damage to Planeswalkers as well, too. So if you don't remember what Goblin Chain Whirler does, it's a three red uh, Goblin Warrior with three three with first strike. When it enters the battlefield, it deals one damage to each opponent and each creature and Planeswalker they control. So already it's winning in my mind right there. So the deck, um, just to go over the deck, it plays two Chandra Torch of Defiance, uh, two Karn Scion of Urza's, two Glorybringer, my favorite dragon in standard right now. There's o- there's always that one dragon that I love in standard. Um, the last one was Thunderbreak Regent. Uh, then four Goblin Chain Whirler, two Pia Nalar, uh, two Rekindling Phoenix, four Scrap Heap Scrounger, three Soul Scar Mage, which is a very interesting choice, and two Walking Ballista. That's all the creatures. It has four Braid, two Magma Spray, three Unlicensed Disintegration, which I'm glad that's seeing play again because that's such a good uh, spot removal card. Three Heart of Kirin, which is the only actual vehicle, so it's technically not really a vehicle deck, but. You know, they call it Black Red Vehicles. It's more Black Red Aggro more than anything Rakdos Aggro. Um, for the lands, it's actually running a high number of lands for it to be a sort of aggro-ish deck here. Um, it's running one Aether Hub, four Canyon Slough, two Cinder Barons, which is an interesting choice. Uh, four Dragon Skull Summits, 11 Mountain, two Spire of Industry, and one Swamp. Um, the Cinder Barons is an interesting choice because it is a tap land. It's going to enter and tap regardless. But I understand why they did it because, you know, you need more of that red or black um, mana symbols in the deck. Um, and there is the one Aether Hub, which I don't know if I'm a big fan of because is there even a way for you to even get energy in this deck? Um, not really. So. That, that's also an interesting choice as well, the Aether Hub, because as I'm looking right now, just in main board, I don't see any other way to get energy. So you could almost say, why not put you know another Spire of Industry there or another mountain or swamp, you know? Which I understand why, because you know you at least be able to pay that one energy and it'll have be the color you need it to be. So I get it. Um, the sideboard is pretty interesting. It has another Glorybringer and Angrath the Flame Chained, uh, Doomfall, which is a really good card, uh, Heartless Pillage. Uh, what does this do? Two and a black target opponent discards two card, two cards. If you attacked with a creature this turn, create a color's treasure artifact token. Okay, another Chandra Torch of Defiance, two Chandra's Defeat, three Duress, one Release the Gremlins, one. Karn Scion of Urza, one Cut to Ribbons, one Fiery Cannonade, and one Vraska's Contempt. So, like I said, it's it's an interesting take on Red Black. I mean, I guess it's not really considered aggro per se, but it's an interesting take on the Red Black, and um, I kind of like it. It's more, it's definitely more of a mid range deck. And what did it beat? It beat. Um, Leo Lahonen. Leo Lahonen played white blue control, which I thought for sure um, Leo was gonna win that because white blue control is so good. And um, I'm planning on trying to build an Esper control, maybe even Esper Lich's Mastery, right there. So I'm, I'm working on trying to build a build a deck for it. Um, 
but yeah very interesting deck um really cool to see red black win it's almost like mono red won both the standard and the legacy even though there is some black here i mean there's how much black in the main board actually there's scrap heap scrounger the unlicensed disintegration and that's it and in the the sideboard there's doomfall duress uh cut to ribbons and Vraska's contempt so it's more red than black i mean i understand why they call it black red but we'll just say mono red won both you know standard and legacy so really cool decks there um glad to be able to watch that so an interesting little topic i wanted to end the night with is something that i've been seeing on twitter and reddit and just the general magic community overall lately is is the cost of standard getting too high again um this all comes about because karn scion of urza lyra and teferi hero of dominaria have definitely shot up in price ever since dominaria has come out and it's definitely made some decks very, very expensive. And by very expensive, I mean we're not near Jeskai Black levels of expensive where that was reaching anywhere from $800 to $1,000. No, we're starting to reach the $400 to $700 range almost. I'd say more like low 600s, um, $700 if you're going to, I don't know, start foiling out stuff. But... um. You know, some of the decks that are getting pretty high up in price is that red-black aggro deck I just mentioned that's getting up to about $400. Uh, White-black vehicles is over $600. Uh, you know, blue-white control is getting over $600. Uh, you know, there's other variations of blue-white that are about $400. Variations of blue-black that are about $400. Um, even I'm seeing some list of mono-green Stompy reaching over $200. And green black is getting up to about $300. So is standard getting too expensive? So this, I noticed this tends to happen when there are more sets in standard. Um, not all the times though, but there are, at this point in standard, there are, it's Kaladesh, Aether Revolt, Amonkhet, Hour, um, Ixalan, Rivals, and Dominaria. So we've got seven sets in Standard right now, and the cost of decks are just going to go up when Core 19 comes out. Uh, Core M19. And um, if Karn and Teferi and um, was it Lyra or any other any other really good cards, even Settle the Wreckage has gone up in price. If those don't go down, then we're just going to see prices just skyrocket. And with Karn being a $60 plus card right now, I don't see Karn really going down in price that much. Maybe it'll go down a little bit when it rotates, but right now Karn can be played in any deck you want. Um, and plus, it's now seeing play in Modern and Legacy too as well, which is crazy. People are saying the new Karn is way better than um the old one from New Phyrexia, Karn, um, liberated. And, you know, in some ways I kind of have to agree in a sense because it, it's a draw engine card. It helps you draw your cards. And, um, the card that gets exiled is not gone forever. If you have multiple Karns and your first one happens to die. Um, so going back to the original question is standard getting too expensive it's getting pricey to a point if you were just now entering standard and you don't have previous cards. Um, yes, there a lot of the cards that are expensive are in Dominaria. But another thing that we have to think about too is the majority of Magic players are not 
grinders. They're not PPTQ or GP grinders. They're not the ones trying to make it to the Pro Tour. There are a lot out there that do try that grind, and I feel for them that decks are getting this expensive. But the average Magic player will never buy a $700 deck. They'll play with whatever cards they may have. They may build whatever kind of jank or basic budget cards there are out there. And there are a lot of budget decks out there in standard. You know, they're not going to be the best decks out there, obviously. They're going to lose to that $700 control deck that someone just built. So yes, I feel for them. I feel for the people that just want to play budget and they're up against these really expensive decks. And I get it. I understand. I... I was with you there back during Jeskai Black and Four Color Rally when those decks were reaching near $1,000. And even though I had those decks and could play those decks and had those cards, it wasn't fun to, you know, beat someone's, you know, mono red landfall deck or something back then. You know what I mean? Um, so, you know, what's the answer here? I mean, you can't just exactly go and tell Wizards, hey, you know, can you make the cards cheaper, please? Or, you know, give us ways to make the cards cheaper because they can't acknowledge a secondary market, right? They, they can't do anything about it. They're just they're, they're just going to go, well, you know, uh, just buy some booster packs and hopefully you pull one. Um, I mean, there's, there's really nothing for them to do. I mean, so I, I feel like we're at a part now, we're, we're at a crossroads to where you're either going to play standard or you're not. Um, if you're kind of unfortunate like me to where the only thing they play on Friday nights is standard is I'm going to have to pour some money into standard now, just a little bit. It's more just some cards that I don't have, like settle the wreckage. God, I don't want to have to buy those. I've only got two. Hey, you want to send me some settle the wreckage? You know, email me at mtgzb at gmail.com and I'll happily take those settle the wreckages off your hand. Um, but like I said, it's, I, I don't think there's anything we can do. You know, we collectively as a community, we can bitch and complain all we want about the price of standard, but you're just talking to the void. There's really nothing you do. You can beg, you know, people to trade them for you cheap or buy them cheap, but that's not going to do anything. The market says that Karn and Teferi are like 40 to $60, and that's what they're going to sell for. And you're just going to have to deal with it or just not play. I mean... That's the sad reality of Magic the Gathering is it's a very expensive hobby. You can play cheap, you can play budget, but you're not going to do that well when you go to F&M or, you know, standard showdown and playing against these really powerful decks. That's just the, the reality of the situation. It sucks. I don't like it, but that's what we, that's, we we're in this hobby because we love it and you have to understand there are costs involved with this hobby. Do I like the reserve list? No. Do I like the cost of legacy and modern? No, not at all. I, you know, that that's why you budget stuff. You, you sit, you put money aside, but I know standard is different because you, you can only try to save up for so long before it rotates like legacy elves. Yes. I have a full legacy elves deck, but I saved up for almost two years to play. I bought, I bought a little bit of cards at a time standard. That's not, it's not um, a real situation that you can do. You can't just save up for two years to be able to play the standard deck you want to play. Cause in two years, you're going to have all new sets and all new card prices. So I get it. I understand the best thing I can tell you to do is trade draft, 
you know, trade into the cards you want. This is a trading card game. There's got to be someone willing to trade with you. If not, then save up that money and buy the cards you need or don't buy them. You don't have to buy those expensive cards. There's always that fear of missing out that everyone talks about in the magic finance community. You don't have to have these cards. You see the high price tag and think you're priced out. Yes, you may be priced out of standard. You may not be able to afford these expensive decks, but you know what? Play budget versions of them. You want to play blue white control, but you can't afford the Carns or Teferis. Play, play budget. P- play instead of those planeswalkers. Play more counter spells or more, you know, you know, targeted removal. I, I, I don't know what to tell you. It's there's there's nothing we can do. It sucks, but that's that's what we're facing with right now. Um, and. It, it always does suck that it's the planeswalkers that are most of the time the most expensive. And it's just what we have to deal with. I don't have any answers for it. But what I can tell you is play budget or don't play those decks. And just realize, you know, you don't have to play those cards. If you are a grinder and you need those tier one decks, I am so sorry that you have to be paying into this much money. You know, hopefully you can borrow the cards. You can, you get, you know, maybe you can if you want to try to represent your LGS at a tournament or something, you know, maybe you can ask them to, you can, if you can borrow the cards, if they have availability, you know, and there's also, there's always deck rental services as well too out there. Manatraders.com is one of them. Definitely check them out. Promo code MTG Zuby. Um, you know, it's, there, there's options out there. You don't always have to buy the most expensive decks and cards out there for standard. I mean, if you have if you've been playing magic for a while now and you have not realized that standard is the most expensive format out there it's not the most expensive up front but over time it is more expensive than legacy and modern then i don't know what to tell you it's that's just the fact of the matter it's more expensive in the long run and maybe you're better off saving up for a modern or legacy deck if you don't like paying these high prices you know at least with modern it's it's a non it's a non-rotating format and you know i've been playing grix's delver for over two years i barely change it yeah it's not tier one anymore or, or anything like that but i still have fun playing it and i can still do relatively well in modern with that deck so there, there's options for you out there it's not the end of the world um if you can't buy or play the most expensive decks out there it sucks i will reiterate again it sucks but what are you going to do? You can decide not to buy the cards. That's the best you can do. Um, yeah, so so that that's my thoughts and feelings on is standard too expensive. So that wraps it up for this week's episode. Um, hope you all enjoyed it. And if you, yeah, did enjoy, you know, definitely let me know. You can email me at mtgzubi at gmail.com. Um, you can reach out to me on facebook.com slash magicwithzubi, on Twitter at magicwithzubi. Um, we're on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and TuneIn Radio. We're also on youtube.com. Um, just search Magic with Zuby or Zuby Productions and check that out as well there if you want to help out the podcast in any way possible please look at my patreon at patreon.com slash magic you know i'm trying to really revamp that and try to get it out there i want to you know give you guys some rewards for listening and if you want to help me out as well too you know that's really awesome um i've got some other plans coming up for 
not just Magic Kazooie the podcast, but I do have some guests coming up. Um, and there's some other events that I'm, I want to try to get to that are non GP related and, um, definitely stay tuned for next week's episode because I've got an exclusive battle bond preview that wizards of the coast gave me. And I can't wait to showcase that to you all. So I'm really excited to show you that preview card that wizards of the coast gave me. I'm, I'm definitely excited. Um, so yeah, like I said, that about wraps it up for tonight. And like I said, thank you all for listening and have a great night.